Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Powered by Riverside. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Uriah here. It is the midst of the offseason. Before we get into that, we have some very somber news. Celtics legend and civil rights activist Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88 today. Bill Russell, most winningest player of all time, has a 11 championship, two of which as a head coach, first African-American head coach in NBA history, was a major component of civil rights in terms of the sports world. Uriah, before I get into any more of my thoughts, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, the sports world and just, I guess, uh, the human race has lost a champion, someone who was as remarkable on the basketball court as he was off of it. There were a lot of posts giving tribute to the great Bill Russell, a lot of Celtics, obviously, but although neither you or I were alive to really watch him play and and show why he has more rings than fingers. uh, I I think it's safe to say that his presence was felt when the civil rights struggle was going on. The image that was probably the most widely posted on social media was the one of him sitting at a table with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, and of course uh, Jim Brown. So he he's an icon. His, Legacy will last forever in the basketball world and and in other ways more important. Yeah, you definitely touched on it. Um, We could go through all the accolades he had as a basketball player. One of two players to only have a a 50-rebound game in NBA history, first African-American head coach. So let me talk about some of the civil rights stuff that he did. And yeah, you see my thesis. So for those that don't know, and I've talked about this before, I wrote my senior thesis in college on Bill Russell's activism and civil rights. So let me just go off a few things that I just remember off the top of my head. So Bill Russell through the first integrated basketball camps in Mississippi after the assassination of civil rights leader Meager Evans. He also led his teammates to (laughs) boycott a game in a in St. Louis because the restaurant in the uh, hotel that they were staying in refused to serve his his fellow black teammates. So they all just boarded a bus and they, uh, not a bus, sorry, a uh, plane and they left. And uh, uh, former Celtics head coach GM Red Auerbach was more than fine with that move. He also was with Dr. King in the March on Washington. I believe he was on, if I remember correctly, he was actually standing on the uh, Lincoln Memorial with Dr. King at the time, too. Outside of that, Uriah, we've heard Boston being the most racist, one of the most racist cities in 
the NBA today. Imagine what it was like for Russell as a player back in the 1960s. I know that his home was vandalized at least once during his time as a player. And clearly not not everybody supported him during his playing days. Uh, interesting fact, when he had his number retired, you're right. Did you know that the stadium was mostly empty? What? You're yeah. kidding. Look Wait it up if you don't believe. Wait a minute. Look it up. He, even though he had helped bring the city all those championships, no one really he, came he, to show respect? No, 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 not that. He requested it because he didn't feel the support of the city at the time. He didn't want a he didn't want a statue either, but they gave it to him anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it was on. It was his decision not to have people in this in the stands. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think mm-hmm. that he will ever have a movie made after him? They better. Mm-hmm. They better. I will say that he. he they did have him in as a. Uh, in the uh, Showtime TV show on HBO, I don't know if you've seen that. It's not for children. So for first off, it is clearly not for kids. But um, when the when the Lakers won the title against the Sixers, apparently he was a broadcaster for CBS, and they had him do his iconic laugh in the uh, when he was doing the post game presser uh, interviewing. Magic Johnson or the two actors that were portraying those two particular players. Mm. So there, there's that. Um, you know what did give me some solace today, though? Because I, I it, it kind of, you know, when you research somebody as much as I did, because I literally took a semester and a half to research this man, mm-hmm. I, I did feel a personal connection uh, in, in a way. I know that sounds weird, but like... You're the first person I thought of when I read that he had passed away today. I, I saw it on Twitter. I think I saw Sham's tweet first, and then I saw his family's like thing right underneath Sham's tweet, and I just I felt heartbroken. And uh, but I guess there is some solace that I can take wherever he's at now. Whether you believe in heaven or whatever, you know he's probably chatting it up with Wilt Chamberlain after all these years. Yeah, him and Wilt rivals rivals on the court friends off and him and Kobe are probably chatting it up too. So yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that gave me a little bit of peace about that, I suppose. Cause I, I think Wilt died in what? 96 somewhere around that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. I know that he was on Shaq's rookie commercial for uh, Nike, I think a Reebok. It was, I think whatever. it was a Reebok. So yeah. I, when I think of Bill Russell, this, I guess the last thing before we move on and start mm-hmm. talking Sixers you think about the adversity that he faced, the challenges that he had to rise to the occasion and show great character. But if, if you look at the civil rights struggle and you think about, uh, you know, you think of it as a vessel, you have a ship uh-huh. and that ship is on some really rough waters. Whoever the captain of that ship was, we could say maybe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Malcolm X might've been one of the captains on the ship. But then, you know, every ship's captain needs a crew to help them battle the storms and, and, and raise the sails and keep the people calm. Bill Russell was, was one of those crewmen on the civil rights ship that people Absolutely. like Dr. King was a part of and Medgar Evers, Ralph Abernathy, John Lewis, obviously. So, you know, when you mention those people, the great civil rights icons who were not athletes, you have to mention Bill Russell. It, it's it's essential. 
for sure. He, I would say, in terms of civil rights activists and sports, I would probably put him fourth all time behind Babe Ruth. Well, Babe Jim Ruth, Bra- you Babe mean Jackie Ruth. Robinson? Jackie, sorry, man, it's been a long day. <laughs> Big difference there. Yeah, there is a very big difference. Sorry. It has been a very I'm not a baseball I'm not a baseball person, okay? Not in the least bit. Okay. So. I don't know if I can let that pass, man. Babe okay. Ruth is Jackie Robinson. All right. I'll okay. Anyway, Jackie Robinson, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, and then Bill Russell. I think that's where you have it. And and in terms of all time great players in the NBA, I mean championships tell it all, man. And I have to have him third on my list behind LeBron and and I mean, behind MJ and LeBron. So I have him third. And some people will say, oh, he can't be third. Kareem's third vowel point. But I just, I got to give it to him. Yeah. I like, think that's a great order. And I agree with, with what you said. Uh, but I, I just want to say that this is why I love sports. You think about how this country has changed for the better so that African-Americans could be treated equally and mm-hmm. and be given dignity and respect that is so rightfully deserved sports and, and obviously entertainment like music. But since, you know, we talk basketball, we stick to sports, but Wilt, he was not necessarily that voice towards the civil rights era, but people like Bill Russell, because they're on the court and sports brings people out, it bonds people, it brings cities together and everyone's on the same team, even though, you know, they look different or, or they're a different race. I think sports is is so great because it does do that. And I think without Jackie Robinson in baseball and people like Wilt Chamberlain in basketball, not Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell in basketball, um, this country might be different. Might be different. For sure. For sure. And one, one funny note, Mm -hmm. Sixers related to Bill Russell. I don't know if you saw the video, but there is a video where Bill Russell, you know, Charles Barkley was giving Bill Russell some praise and then he cuts to the video and and Bill's giving him the bird. And I'm just like, that's so like, but if you study Bill Russell, you would know that that's on point in character for him. Yeah. Yeah. He he just loves, that's just who he is. And like, he doesn't mean it out of like spite or anything. He just, that's just who he is. But all right, Uriah. I think we've spent enough time on, although a great human being and great basketball player, it is a Celtics player. So we have to get back to Sixers stuff now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Sixers. And oh my goodness, say it ain't so. The NBA is meddling in the affairs of the Sixers again. They claim to think that there was some tampering. Uh, I'll read a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, recently, he said NBA's expected to pursue circumstances surrounding Harden declining a $47 million option to sign a one-in-one deal that cut the salary to $33 million and gave the team more flexibility to sign Tucker in-house. Some have wondered if another deal, ooh, another deal was already in place for future, which is against CBA rules. So, look, man, just tell us how surprised are you? that the NBA is digging into this. I mean, look, I've kind of been expecting this, but at the same time, are you telling me the Sixers aren't the only team that tampered this off season? Hello. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I've felt the sarcasm in your voice when you, you know, introduced yeah. the subject. I was just like, gosh, he's yeah. But no, seriously, at this point, like, Tampering is the worst kept secret in the NBA. 
It's just the Sixers were a little bit more flamboyant about it. And I'm sure it has to do with the relationship of Maury and Harden. Like, look, the NBA probably just does that. It looks like a bad look because basically Maury and Harden ditched Houston for Philly. Granted, Harden had to take a detour, but like it all basically just bamboozled their way out of one town and into another. I'm sure, the NBA doesn't love that. They, you know, for people that, you know, feel like the NBA hates the process, you could definitely connect this back to that. I'm not one of those people, but you could certainly make the case and argument for it in this regard. At the end of the day, look, I'm not surprised because Mark Stern had reported that the, you know, they're looking they were looking into this at the beginning of July. So I'm not I'm not surprised by this. I just wish that the Sixers weren't the only team being investigated. Either you investigate all the teams or none of the teams. That's where I'm at. And honestly, the NBA is more fun this way when you don't meddle in, right? Oh, the drama is is must see TV, <laughs> like the the night before, you know, everything opens up. But let me just say, if you look at the Sixers NBA, Adam Silver, then you have to look at the New York Knicks. Because oh yeah, yeah, they June were worse 2nd, than we were. On June second, the Knicks hired. Jalen Brunson's dad to come along and be an assistant coach along with the Knicks. And just a few weeks later, guess who signs with the Knicks? Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, oh let's Brunson. not let's let's not forget the fact they basically scouted him like a high school athlete in the playoffs with the Mavericks in the first round with Donovan Mitchell, which who by the way is linked to the to the Knicks now too. Coincidence? Like come on. Like, okay, if we're going to get investigated, let's investigate the Knicks. Let's investigate, I don't know, who who else? Denver. Maybe DeAndre Denver. Jordan. They, they announced yeah, it course, like almost immediately. Yeah, like that was even quicker than anything else, like P.J. Tucker stuff. Like, though, I, you know what, that might actually hurt the nugget, yeah. Nuggets. So that I'm not, you know what, maybe they, they just leave that one alone. I don't I don't think the Nuggets deserve anything worse than DeAndre Jordan. Um, but no. In all seriousness here, look, either you investigate everybody or nobody. If we're going to get investigated and fined, fine. We might lose, you know, whatever. All I'm going to say is I'm not surprised because they hate the process. Look at what happened with Sam Hankey and, and how they forced someone in this organization that at the time looked like a good idea, but he was out the door and he brought his son in. But we're not going to relive that. Let's go on to the next question. Lucas, tell everyone what you think the worst case scenario would be should the league find that the Sixers actually did more than tamper, but actually circumvented the salary cap. Well, I don't think they circumvented it. I think what's going to happen here. I mean, like, look, the Harden doesn't sign this deal without like some level of assurance of saying, Hey, if you do well next year, we're going to get you on a long-term deal. Okay. Like that just, like, the NBA is not stupid. Like, come on now. But in terms of what should happen to the Sixers, if they are found to be tampering or, you know, any other issue, we have a precedence for this recently. The Miami Heat got in, and the Chicago Bulls both lost draft picks and I believe had fines mm-hmm. of about $10,000. It could be more or less. I honestly don't remember, mm-hmm. but I know it was a significant fine, right? I, I think Josh Harris is okay with paying that fine. And, like, look, we're we're at the point in our uh, franchise where we're not – draft picks have only so much value. Yeah. So 
as much as I would like to have a second round pick, if we lose it, so be it. Well, I think that it could be a little worse. If it's tampering, that just means that they're communicating, right, before the the actual time they're allowed to. But circumventing, meaning having some type of under-the-table deal, kind of like Joe Smith. Well, I don't think that – I don't think that – look, I don't think James Harden is getting any extra salary. Now, the the issue I think the NBA has a problem with is that they're kind of – negotiating a deal for next year already like they already have a parameters for well, a deal well, next year let me give you a little bit that... let me give you a little bit more background on the joe smith situation in the mm-hmm. 90s joe smith was going with the minnesota timberwolves who had just lost a key player and they needed someone to fill that that slot so and there's paperwork that the nba found after the investigation that showed that he signed one year deals worth like 1.1, 1.3, really below market salary so that uh, they could have his bird rights and then they could essentially sign him and he would get the money that he had deferred for all those years. So the point is, we don't know if they did that or not. I would hope that they wouldn't be so stupid to do such a thing and leave a paper trail. But if, if they did do that, here's the worst thing. It wouldn't be a couple thousand dollars. I think it would be like a $10 million fine. And first and round picks too, right? First round picks and a contract can be voided. That's why yeah. this situation is more significant than just merely, oh, they're just having, they're talking and the teams are reaching out to the agent prior to the, to the date of, of allowing. So it could be serious. Um, at that point, Arden will be like 37, so I don't think it'll be that big of a deal, but it could be worse. And he would have to, let's just say it happens like the Joe Smith situation. That means for people that don't understand that Joe Smith couldn't sign with the Timberwolves. He had to go elsewhere. That means no James Harden for the Sixers. I think the Timberwolves lost what? Three first round picks. Was that right? Three or four? I think four or five. Four or five. It was a lot of picks. Yeah. Yeah. It, It was a lot. So, I like you said. Certainly hope that Maury's not dumb enough to leave a paper trail. This is not. Uh, I, I think it, who was the president at the time there? I think it was um, Kevin McHale, right? Yeah, probably McHale. Uh, so I don't think he's as stupid as McHale was at that time. So if, if it wasn't McHale, I'm sure it was somebody else. But point being is that I think that I don't think that they did. They went that far, or at least not on paper anyway. Or, you know, any type of electronic trail. I just, you know, I, I hope that if if there were those type of discussions, it was all verbal and non, no, nothing, you know, electronically or, you know, written downwise. So, but, you know, that could be the worst case scenario. We're hoping that that doesn't happen. You know, if you, if you, you know, a small fine, you know, small fine for NBA team, of course, not for us, but for them, small fine and loss of a second round pick or two, you can live with that. But, you know, if it's as big as the, you know, Joe Smith, it could, we could lose all free agent signings this offseason, plus Harden, plus picks, plus, you know, uh, multiple millions of dollars. So it's, would certainly put the team back. And if that were the case, I wouldn't be surprised if Joel would question his, his longevity in Philly at that point. So that's just my thoughts.
So we're going to talk about who's going to be the fifth starter, Uriah. Let's start with that. Let's start with the addition of P.J. Tucker. Could it force Thibel to the bench? Do we feel like Tucker gets the starting nod on this team? That's a tough question because although he went out of last season, not on the best note, Matisse Thibel, he had a chance this summer to unwind, recalibrate, figure out, where he's going with his career. It's a big year coming up for him because he wants the extension, right? Or at least, you know, elevate his stock as, as a player. So, you know, his defensive impact, we know what it is. But P.J. Tucker is not that bad of a defender. He's uh, Some people would argue that he's a better on-ball defender. You know, he doesn't have the athleticism that Bible does, but Tucker is no slouch. And the one thing that could put him in a starting lineup over Thibault is obviously three-point shooting. I say, if I were to put a percent on it, I say it's 60-40 in favor of Tucker. What do you think? So, my ideal starter is neither one of them. Uh-oh. I didn't expect I, this. <laughs> yeah. No, right. I'm going to go with Daniel House. Now, hear oh, me out. This is the okay. reason why. Right. House is an above-average defender. Can guard, you know, two and threes. Easily, right? On top of that, he's a better three-point shooter than Tucker and, of course, Thibault. And he's just – he's a little bit more malleable on offense, too. He can go to different spots on the floor, and he can slash a little bit better than Tucker and Thibault as well. And I see him more as a natural three, where Tucker, he's 37, and, like, he's been playing power forward forever. If he's starting, he's being this, you know, small forward. Which I mean, he he you know he defends probably the best small forwards anyway, but like that's just a little extra that he doesn't need at this age. So I I'd be tempted to start House, but if I'm not starting House, I honestly what I think would if I'm Doc, I have those three fight it out for the starting job. But if if I'm going with my gut, I like House in the starting five the best. Okay, all right, well. I have I have um, stat head and I pulled up three players and I have their stats right on top okay. of each other. Daniel House Jr. last season averaged five point nine points and I'll just go with that in their three point percentage. He shot thirty seven percent. Thibel five point seven points a game, three point percentage thirty one percent. Tucker seven point six points a game, forty one percent. We know he's the king of corner threes. So although Daniel House is younger, and like you said, he would be, a, I guess, as good a defender and, you know, defending those wing positions, I still think it's Tucker because Doc likes the, you know, the, the veterans and getting him on the court back with uh, Harden and then also getting him as many reps to get used to Joel will be important come playoff time. So good argument. However, if we're looking at sections of the season, which you do with Thibault all the time, so I'm mm-hmm. going to do this with with um, House. With how when House had a regular role with the Utah Jazz, once he signed with them for the rest of the season, his three point percentage was 41.5 percent, and he averaged 6.8 points per game. Okay, so I'm going to throw that out there, yeah. but I mean, honestly, it depends on how Doc wants the team to look. If you're trying to invest in Thibel, then you start Thibel. If you want more offense, you start House probably. If you want more defense, you start Tucker. 
I, you know, I think it just depends on how Doc views the starting five. But either way, that's an option. Now, you wrote down another option here for our agenda in this segment that I want to touch on here real quick. So, and this is probably – did you write this for Chris? Are you missing no, I Chris? Because no, I, I feel actually, like this is a Chris question. No, I actually flirted with the idea. I, I think it's an interesting concept, but I want to know what you think. Okay, so well, I'll let you answer. I'll let you explain it first before I give my answer. But how possible is it, Uri, that Paul Reed starts at the four and Tobias moves to the three? I think it's highly unlikely, just because Tobias has made it clear that he's more comfortable at the four, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, you don't want to see Tobias guarding, you know, the you know some of these wing players that are six four, six five, and and very quick and, and agile. You know, he's a he's a good defender, but that's out of place for him. And Paul Reed, I think it'd be smart to have him in there just because he'll get every rebound that Embiid can't get. And Embiid, to be as tall as he is, he doesn't get as many rebounds as you would think. So, you know, Reed, per 36, is I think his rebounding is up to like 11 per game last time I checked. So to have him in there as a, as a defensive rebounding uh, asset would be helpful for the starting lineup, but I think it's, it's not very likely. Look, could we see at some point in the season? Absolutely. Absolutely. We saw in the playoffs. I'm, I'm sure doc is going to flirt with that at some point during the season, but absolutely not. No, Paul Reed is going to be the backup five, either that or PJ Tucker. I think Reed's set up for success this season. He looked really good in the summer league. I I just look, you don't want to. And the other thing is, is like spacing with that lineup. Like Paul Reed can hit the occasional three, but that is not his strength. And like you said with Tobias, we saw Tobias at the three without Horford. Do we really want to do that again? <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I certainly don't. Yeah. So I, I think it's better if we just have, have, you know, B-ball Paul come off the bench. Sorry, Chris. I, I know if you're listening, just know that I thought of you when Uriah wrote down this question. Look, I think it would be a nice experiment. I think at one point against Toronto, they did share the court for like just a moment, or maybe it was Drummond and Embiid. But no, anyway, no, no, it, it was it was against Miami. Was, yeah, yeah, and that was an interesting lineup. So oh, I guess that is, I don't mind that they experiment with it, but it's not a starting lineup. But it's if they start. started, if they started together, Reed at the four and Embiid at the five, Embiid goes to the bench first. And after he goes to the bench, Reed slides into the five, and then Tucker, you know, I guess he's, he goes up to the four, and then you get a small ball lineup. Because Reed's I mean, but, 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 but you can still have that small ball lineup if you start Tucker at the three, Tobias at the four, and then have Joel come up, go to the bench and have Reed come on to the bench. And whoever's coming in as this backup board, whether it be Tucker or Niang, Mm-hmm. or Thibel, they're all undersized for power forwards. So they're they're all going to – it's going to be small ball regardless yeah. in, in some sense or fashion. But I guess that – now you're making me think, what's going to happen to George's Niang? Is he going to have a real role this year? Like this, He'll have a role. His shooting I, I, makes him have a role. I guess so. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a interesting lineup. And, you know, he has to prove himself defensively this year. Yeah, I was looking at the the depth chart, and there's six legitimate players who could have a role with minutes, but mm-hmm. you know, only five guys are probably going to get those. Minutes. And who knows? Maybe Cork Miles has a bounce back. You're probably not because I don't think there's any more minutes for him. But who knows? 
you might fight for some minutes in training camp. Well, check this out. That six I mentioned does not include. I, I'm not sure it didn't. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's go through that six. We're you're we're on it, so let's go through it. Who who are your six? Let's talk about it real quick. Uh, who, who was it? It was Shake Milton, uh, Melton, the new acquisition. Yep. Uh, Thibel, because I would mm-hmm. have Tucker starting. Mm-hmm. Ball Paul. Okay. Uh, Niang. Who's your six? Uh, Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a legitimate argument. Yeah. And then you you know you could still throw in Corkmaz as somebody that you know. I think Isaiah Joe's better, but you know, like you could plug him in and he can give you good minutes. Yeah. This is probably the deepest team that we've had in a long time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it feels good. It, it it feels good. Usually, like Maury's, like it, he doesn't do the like besides the Harden trade. Like, doesn't feel like he does. But he's built this depth through the draft and through trades and free agency. And now they just have to bring it all together, which leads us to our next topic. Hold on. Yes. All right, so it was reported, and there's video footage out there, that the Sixers are in South Carolina together. They traveled together. They took a team trip for the purpose of bonding and getting that camaraderie going. Doc Rivers has done this before. Lucas mentioned that to me earlier. I'll let him talk about those trips in a minute. But, Lucas, what's your opinion about Doc taking the guys on trips like this? How great of a thing do you think this is for the team? I think it could definitely help build a team. I mean, if we want to go movie reference here, it's exactly how uh, Remember the Titans started out. Remember when they all went to Gettysburg for that? Oh, uh, what a great, camp? great scene. What a uh, great gosh. Scene. And then he took them to the battlefield where all the graves were. Oh, gosh, that was oh. uh, good movie. Den- good Denzel movie. is the best, man. Oh, he is. the best. <laughs> hard to believe he's in his 60s, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's a it, coaches do this. Uh, you know, some coaches do this. You know, base pro baseball always goes to Florida for their training camps. Uh, I don't think this is the first time an NBA team certainly has gone you know out of their way for training camps. The um, the boss, as Uriah alluded to, when Doc was the head coach of the Boston Celtics, he's taken them over. They, he took them overseas, and that was the year that they won a championship. Brought the team very close together. I can't remember where they went. It was like either, I want to say either Greece or Italy or Spain. It was one of those Mediterranean countries. I don't remember off the top of my head, though. The point being is that Doc uses this tool as a way for chemistry. And now that, you know, I'm not going to say COVID's in the past, but it's died down significantly that to where travel, international travel is possible again. Um, I think this is exactly what this team needs to get get away from all the local noise because you're getting secluded. You're not going to deal with your friends, your family, or the media, the local media. You're just secluding yourself and focusing on the team. So I, I like this idea. I do. I think this is a good thing. Yeah, and he, you know, Doc is a really, I guess, spiritual type of coach who likes to allow players to explore the different aspects of spirituality and and roots of where we come from. 
And I know that when I saw his documentary, when he was with the Clippers, um, he brought, I know when he was with Boston, there was some type of African term. I forget what it was. Yeah. I, I was thinking of it too. Cause Kendrick. Ubuntu. Talked, I think yes. Ubuntu. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not so. surprised he did that in Boston and with the Sixers uh, in the report that I read from NBC sports, Philly, that there's uh, some type of African museum. Yeah, that, yeah, they're going to go to a, a African slave museum. Yeah, so that they can learn the roots and how this country was founded. So I, I think that's going to be good too. So they're sure to build camaraderie, which is important, but also leadership is. So at this point, Joel Embiid and and Harden have played, you know, to a series together. Actually, two series. And Harris has been on the team for quite some time. So what do you think about the leadership of this team right now? Is this Joel's team or is it like a co-captain situation? I think it has to be Joel's team because, look, we've seen how far Harden-led teams can get. They can get you to the conference once or twice, right? How many times did Houston get there? Once, right? Once or twice. Yeah, once so twice. so uh, as much as I love Harden, I don't think – Harding can be the sole leader of this team. I think it has to be Joel's team. Joel's we've we've seen has taken great strides in maturity, but I think it, it's not Joel's the head captain. But you got to have co-captains too. I think Harding's going to have to take a particular role, and so does Tobias Harris because I think Tobias Harris is the the leader of this team off the court, if that makes sense. Like the 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 morality of the team. And then Harden and Joel have to be the leaders on the court with Joel taking the, the hard stand as the, the guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, Harden is the floor general who mm-hmm. has captain responsibilities when Joel Embiid is sitting. Harris, I agree with you 100%. He is the off-the-court Mr. Ambassador, could be mayor one day of Philadelphia, you know, he's got all these endorsements now. He was on Good Morning America recently. So I, I think they have a good amount of veterans now compared to when the process started, when there was like one or two. So this team mm-hmm. has a lot of good veterans. There's good leadership. But 100%, this is Joel's team. When the shot clock is running down at the end of a game, as we saw in the game winner he made against Toronto, he has the ball in his hands. He's taking the last shot. All right. It, clearly, Joel can be a clutch player. And there's somebody else that might be clutch too, but we're going to get to that in a little bit later. But there is a teaser that somebody else on this team might become a clutch player. In the meantime, though, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it is Joel's team. I think Harden's the floor general. He's going to set everybody up. But at the end of the day, if you need a shot, Joel's the – look, I said this last season, and I don't know if it's going to be Harden or Maxi, but for – Three and a half quarters, Joel Bede's carrying this team. For the past, for the last like five minutes, Joel can carry the team, but you got to have somebody else that can create for themselves too, besides Joel. And that's where I think either James Harden or Tyrese Maxey comes into play, which pretty much sets us up for our next segments. And, of course, now that the free agency buzz and the draft is all over, it's all about off-season workouts now. And two Sixers that have been particular making noises is James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. So let me start with Harden first. From what you've seen from Harden, you know, shooting in the gym and doing leg workouts, do you think that this is 
you know, promising progress that we've seen from a guy that looked like he lost a step last year. It is so promising to me that I am taking my my uh, original statement a few weeks ago about not having any expectations of this team. I'm going to ball that up like it's a piece of paper. I'm throwing that in the wastebasket. My expectations are the Sixers are going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Whatever happens from there would be great. But to answer your question, it's promising to me because, listen, we've always had Joel. We've seen him go from a boy to a man. We've dealt with the drama of Ben Simmons. And to get a player like Harden, who is a top 75 player, still a very entertaining player to watch, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's promising. I think him coming in healthy uh, in training camp and hopefully staying healthy is going to be a huge, huge deal for this team and the progress that they make getting off to a good start, getting a nice early lead in, in the division standing. So it's promising to me. What about you? It's certainly promising. And I'll, t- I'll, I'll say this. I think the return of Skinny Harden is back. I don't know if you've Skinny seen some Harden. of the I don't know if yeah. you've seen some pictures but the guy looks shredded like his muscle tone has muscle tone like there's muscles on top of the muscles and i'm just like i haven't seen that in a very long time and i mean it's all like i'm i'm impressed i'm happy that he's putting in the offseason work and you know obviously you know some fans have been jaded to the ben simmons offseason workouts where it comes to nothing but i don't think so usually when you see james harden work in the offseason usually comes to something positive we saw that skinny year Harden, and i forget was it chris paul or russell westbrook that he that that skinny offseason that was skinny in the offseason no 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 when he when skinny Harden first made an appearance was that cp3 or westbrook I think that it was, was cp3 i think okay yeah and i'm pretty sure that was either after they got to the eastern conference finals or the year that they did right mm-hmm. so i'm excited for it but that's not the only person I'm excited about. And you know where I'm going with that. Yes, sir. Double zero. He only has one zero on his jersey, dude. Maxi is not double zero? No, no, no. You're thinking of Spencer Hawes, who <laughs> looks nothing like Tyrese yeah. Maxi. Yeah, that's like comparing Babe Ruth to Jackie Robinson. Okay, 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 okay. okay. You got well, me back. We're even yeah, now. Yeah, we're, we're even now. All right, so 1-0. Okay. All right, keep going. Okay. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're, we're, we're adults. We're going to mature. Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Tyrese Maxey has been putting in the work with uh, Sam and Spencer uh, Rivers. Spencer, of course, is the son of Doc. Cassell won three championships, uh, two with the Rockets, one with the Boston Celtics under Doc Rivers in 08. Has been an assistant since. Gosh, it's hard to believe, but Cassell's in his mid-50s. Can you believe that? Yeah, he played in the 90s. I know, but it just it doesn't, <laughs> feel, like, it doesn't feel like it to me, man. I remember in 08, I was like, what was that in 08? Like, I think, hang on, I was in high school. I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And, I mean, I know Cassell was like 36, but it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But I guess it has. Yeah. I guess guess it has. A couple decades, man. (laughs) But anyway, so Cassell and Rivers were giving Maxie high praise. And I wrote an article about this recently. But 
did you know that they're in court they're trying to train him into getting a mid-range jumper what did i say last that's nasty and uh say at the end of last season what he needed mid-range he needed a mid-range jumper and what would i what did i say happen would happen if he got that all-star all-star absolutely if he gets this and incorporates a mid-range jumper to where he can create his own shot in the mid-range that's all-star level status that's going to add at least four to six points to his game and after the all-star break when he was playing with harden guess how many he averaged how many 18 points on 48% shooting from three, which is another area that they're still working on improving with him, by the way. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to leave it alone now that he has it. He's only had Grant, he's only entering his third season and he only had one good season so far shooting the three. So I don't blame them for that. But outside of the work that he's putting with Cassell and Rivers, he's been doing some workouts with LeBron James, the GOAT. Well, not my GOAT. MJ's the goat. A lot, a lot of the younger people's goats, and Jay Williams. So you know. Anyway, but you know, second best player of all time. What are, What are your thoughts on that, Uriah? What are your thoughts on all this with Maxi? I think it's great that he's putting in the work. Uh, unlike another former guard that was on this team, the videos that he put out kind of translated into real basketball situations. I'm not going to say his name, but it's promising to me to see him out there with LeBron and and obviously the coaching staff of the Sixers. But I think being around LeBron James, you know, not everybody gets to work out with LeBron. So that kind of tells you the whole kind. I think the the whole idea of. uh, Well, remember they do share an agent and clutch. They do share an agent. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of other clutch guys that would want to work out with LeBron. I'll just wrap up my point just saying that Tyrese Maxey is a special player. You mentioned he's going into his third year. It's very rare for a player to show this type of maturity. And because of his personality, his smile, his work ethic, it's infectious. And that's the type of attitude you want to permeate the locker room that leads to a winning culture. So I, I think it's very promising. I think so too. And you know what I was thinking of just as you were talking about a young player in a mature locker room? Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't think he's same personality at all, but kind of feels like an 08 Celtics thing. You Rondo? got – Yeah, a little okay. bit. I can see Because Rondo was this up-and-coming player, if you remember. Mm-hmm. You know, after 08, after they won the championship, they were like, oh, no, we got a big four with Rondo. Mm-hmm. We don't have a big four, but we have the core four, which I, I, I like that term a lot better. Um, and think about it, though. I mean, look, if Maxi adds a mid-range jumper like he's, they say that he's, that he's working on, can we even be guaranteed that a healthy James Harden will be the second leading scorer on this team? I mean, he deferred yeah. to Kyrie and KD. Yeah. I don't see – I think if, if he wants to preserve himself for the playoffs, mm-hmm. which I think would be smart, Give the young guy extra touches. Give uh, Tobias Harris some extra touches. If Harden's averaging an efficient 22 game where he could go off for like 30 to 40 any night that he needs to, Mm -hmm. but like if he's scoring an efficient 22 points per game and Maxi's averaging like 21 to 23 points per game, look, Maxi would be an all. I think the Sixers have a chance for not only the number one seed, but three all star candidates, possibly a fourth, depending on how how good Tobias Harris looks. Look, yeah. 
it's not the first time that Doc Rivers would have wouldn't have had three All Stars either. I mean, look, he did it in two different franchises with the Celtics and the Clippers. Tobias Harris is right there. And look, last time a team had four All Stars, what was it? The Hawks, or was it the Warriors? It was the Warriors, right? Who's that? Uh, the team that had more four All Stars, right? Uh, I think it was the Hawks or the Warriors. Is either when KD was on the Warriors or the Hawks? So less than ten years ago, right? So it's not impossible. So you made but, me think of something related to an article you wrote about top ten players that Doc Rivers coached. Yeah, I wonder if if you asked Doc Rivers if we ever had him on the podcast, that'd be so great, right? If mm-hmm. we were if we had him, one of the questions I think you guys would ask him is which core four or quote unquote big four do you think had I guess was the most talented or because I hate to say best because that's so general, but think about it. You got, you got KG, Paul, Paul George, not Paul George, uh, Paul Pierce, but not, not a core four. Right. Ray Allen. And you said Rondo versus Embiid, Harden, Tobias and Maxi. And let's not, and let's not forget the Clippers. They had CP three, Blake Griffin, Jordan, and you can even put JJ into that conversation. Eh, I wouldn't hate, eh. even though JJ played his best ball with us. But JJ still. was kind of a like a role player. Uh, he averaged around fourteen, fifteen a game. It's not like he was a scrub. Look, it's not like guys are out here playing against plumbers. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm taking did you a see dig Bob, at JJ. Did, did you see Bob Cousy's? Uh, Jerry West. Was it Jerry West? I thought Bob yeah. Cousy. Beta, no, uh, it wasn't Jerry West. He, I think Bob Cousy's dead, or maybe not. He, but it was definitely Jerry West. He he yeah. he clapped back. <laughs> yeah, at JJ, and it was he said it was quite least, entertaining. What do you say? At least we're not doing TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. At least we weren't doing TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. It's fair. It's fair though. It's he fair. even pulled. He even pulled a Jalen Rose like he did on Skip Bayless and pulled out his statistics. Jerry West was like, "How many points did he ever average?" over his career 12 12 point seven points i was like wow and you know what i would love to hear jj retort he'd probably have to take a bite of humble pie because you know when when the logo is clapping back at you and he's speaking facts you can't really jj was playing in this era basketball versus the one that he started in if he like in his fifth year right now jj would be a borderline all-star you mean back then no, I'm talking about like if JJ was playing in today's NBA because JJ, came, uh, like the modern version of the NBA that we, the version of the NBA we know today is only existed for the past like five, five oh, days. I see. Yeah, because he started earlier in the 2010s. He's, right? He started in like 2006, whatever he graduated. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah like so he he rose a bench for the for the uh, Magic for a few years before he got a regular role. Because he could not play defense, and Stan Van Gundy did not want to play him. Stan Van did not like JJ in Orlando. I remember that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think that's. I think we've belated that point enough. Yeah. I, I think on that note, we should probably just wrap this up. This is going to be a short podcast for us today, but that's okay. Yes, for those who tuned in, thank you for listening. This is Lucas and Uriah for the Sixer Sense podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, Apple iTunes, Google Play. You know where to find us. So we'll see you next time with some more Sixers content. And
you guys take care. Powered by Riverside.